You're listening to the Theology for the Church podcast with Dr. Caleb Leonard, a resource for the church that aims to help Christians explore how Christian doctrine, framed by the biblical story, is to be applied to the Christian life in the context of the local church. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Theology for the Church podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Lainey Greer to discuss the topic of a theology of the human body and body image. Um, although we were in different programs, Lainey and I graduated from Southern Seminary together, walked the, the same stage, didn't have any classes together, unfortunately. Uh, and I think she's, uh, in, in my estimation, one of the better, more helpful evangelical voices for why it is important to value the human body as part of the Christian faith. So, Lainey, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me for this conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Caleb. Uh, Before we jump in to our topic and and considering certain questions about uh, a theology of the body, would you mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself for our listeners? How did you get where you are today, family, educational background, ministry and church involvement, those type of things? Yeah, so um, my answer for this is it's always pretty much the same. I never had any intention to walk this path. It's just what the Lord has put in front of me. Sure. Um, it's been a crazy ride, but yeah, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, and um, grew up, um, became a believer early on, grew up Southern Baptist, and then um, was was really interested in personal training and working out and helping others. And then that kind of morphed into um, bringing in my my faith with that. So wanting to help Christians especially understand why it was important to take care of their bodies. So I finished my bachelor's in exercise science from UT. And um, around that time, I started working um, in a church, in the local church, and was able to, I always loved theology. Um, That was my, so I had two major loves, theology and then working out, but they never really, um, they never really meshed, um, you know, early on. So uh, when I got the ability to pursue a master's from seminary, that was my, that was my absolute dream. Um, So I, I did a master's in Christian leadership from Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, in that program, part of the degree requirements were to create, um, we we had a thesis, but then create kind of an applied research project. So my thesis was sure. on religion and the obesity epidemic. And mm. then um, the research project was to kind of combine, you know, how, how should Christians go about caring for their bodies? Mm-hmm. So the Lord was forming kind of where he has me now. Um, but when I finished that, everybody said, well, you know, you should go on and get a PhD. And I just thought, no, why would I ever, <laughs> why would I ever <laughs> yeah. do that? There's yeah. no reason why I should go do that. Um, but again, the Lord just orchestrated that and um, was very clear to go to Southern Seminary, study under Dr. Greg Allison, um, focus on a theology of human embodiment. And um, so, yeah, Southern let me in and I finished my <laughs> finished my PhD there, um, gosh, year and a half, two years ago. I yeah. don't remember. It's there's too many things that I've had to read and write since then. So, um, so yeah. So now, kind of have a ministry that um, lays a biblical theological foundation for the body. But then, because we should live out what we believe, then I say, okay, how should we practically 
um, glorify God in our bodies. And there's two kind of primary ways to do that. It's how we think about our bodies, which is body image, and then how we treat our bodies, which will be areas of stewardship, like nutrition, exercise, stress management, and those things. Oh, and I guess I should say you asked about ministry. I worked for the local in the local church for around um, 10 or 11 years, mostly in Knoxville, and then briefly for a short time in North Carolina. But yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Lainey, I, I, I first, I, I just want to, you know, thank you for the, the work you're doing and the, the resources you're creating regarding the way Christians um, are to think about uh, their bodies. It's imperative to confirm from scripture that the body's uh, not, you know, only valuable, but that God has ultimate authority, right, over us, Um as those who are made in his image, especially in our current cultural climate, I think we need, as, as you've written and, and spoken about, you know, elsewhere, just a, a robust, you know, biblical understanding of, of a physical existence from which to build a corresponding theology, because it's from this biblical theological construction that we can then uh, confidently address, I think, the most pressing issues of our day regarding sex and gender and uh, body image issues, right? So maybe to start, I, I think we have to understand what it means really to be created in the image of God, right? In, in Genesis 1, 26 uh, through 28. So how does, or how does, or should that impact how we view our bodies and what we do with them? Yeah, so definitely um, a great text to start with. Being made in the image of God is huge to define our dignity, our personhood, our value, um, and just just as part of God's overall created order and His good design, um, you know, behind what He did in creation, there's a purpose to everything He did, um, and who we are as His male and female image bearers um, is a critical part of that. So. You know, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, we see there that, that the triune God, he, he decides to create uh, humanity in his image. Um, and as part of that, male and female, um, we equally bear his image. Um, and as being male and female, that also is going to get into physical distinctions that, that occur, mm-hmm. that he designed um, in good ways. So... What we can see there is that men and women equally image bearers. Um, there's there's a physical aspect to who we are as his embodied beings um, or a material, but then there's also an immaterial aspect as well because we're ultimately created for a relationship with him as our creator. Um, and we can see more of that too if you go to the next chapter in Genesis 2 and you see how he forms Adam. Um you know, he uses material dust of the earth and then immaterial breath. And when those two aspects coalesce, that's when he becomes a living being. Um, so we see this material, immaterial existence. Um, and then if you look also at the creation commands that he gives his image bearers, so creates them male and female in his image, but for the purpose of being fruitful, multiplying, filling the earth, subduing it. Um, express, expressing dominion and you know those actions require a physical body so there's really no um, no cause for looking at the soul as the single um, you know the single thing that that bears God's image it's mm-hmm. the soul and body together it's that that embodied being um, so we're designed you know he 
we come into the world as an embodied being. We're disembodied temporarily for eternity, um, just because the wages of sin is death. So physically, we will die. Our bodies will decay. Um, but we are promised, um, you know, an eternal existence as an embodied being. We're going to receive a resurrection body. Um, and it's that it's, it's our bodies, but read it, you know, re-embodied. We're glorified um, to be like Christ's glorious body. Um, so yeah, so we're designed for embodiment. We're embodied now and will be for eternity. It is a good aspect of how God created us as his image bearers. Yeah, I think that's, it's a really key, key place to start. Obviously, mo- most of the time we, we need to start in Genesis 1 with, with a lot of things we're doing, you know, any type of, any type of theology. But, you know, I, I always think about uh, just kind of the layers there that, that you mentioned that there's the thing that's most fundamental to being, you know, human is being in the image of God then male, female, then we get masculine, feminine, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's essential that we actually build on that foundation so, so that we don't uh, make certain error, errors or assume certain things that we shouldn't, right? And just this reality that um, we'll, we'll talk about this as we kind of go, go along here, but just the reality of the fall, uh, it, it doesn't totally... It mars the image of God that, that humanity bears, right? But it doesn't totally eradicate it. And right. we, we see that in, in texts as soon as with, um, you know, Genesis 6 through 8 and, and 9 with, with Noah, right? There's still the reason that murder's wrong, right, in, in those chapters is because, like, you're killing someone who's created the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this idea, even in Genesis itself, just a few pages over, that we still bear uh, this image even though it, it's marred by by sin, right? Because it's fundamental to, like you said, being a uh, human and, and also fundamental to being human is being embodied, right? So I think that's super helpful. And I, I want to jump just for, because this is a podcast episode and not a whole class on you know, theology <laughs> of the body, we'll jump to the New Testament. Um, have you done, uh, you, you've done quite a bit of work on, on Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 12 through 20. Uh, so I want to jump there next is, you know, I, I agree with you that it's probably the best single passage of, of scripture for building a theology of the body. Um, so I want to just ask you a couple of related questions here. Uh, the first, and they kind of go together, so I'll, I'll throw them out there. And if you need me to repeat it, I, I definitely will. But first, how is our uh, culture today and how are we as individuals like the Corinthians of Paul's day? And then how does Paul help us out here in our construction of a Christian theology of the body, particularly in highlighting resurrection, redemption, and indwelling like he does in this passage? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the Corinthian believers, they had several different issues that Paul spends a lot of ink addressing, uh, not just first yeah. and second Corinthians, <laughs> but a couple other letters at least. Mm-hmm. Um they were very much influenced by the philosophies around them. Greek philosophy, this kind of um, material things are evil. Um, the immaterial spiritual realities, that's what we should pursue. So this kind of splitting of immaterial and material. Um, and when you do that, you're inherently going to elevate one over the other. And when it comes to believers, even today, we still do that in a way of elevating soul, spiritual realities over the body and, and physical realities. And certainly, 
not not trying to say and not trying to uh, counteract what Paul says in First Timothy four. Godliness is sure. um, it holds value for all things, um, but we cannot if we if we elevate one over the other we can't allow that to cause us to devalue physical things, which generally is what happens. Um, So when this happens, like with the Corinthians, they, they were very antibody. So they, they had a misunderstanding of, of Christian freedom. Um, They were living very licentious lives, um, engaging in all types of sexual immorality. And in chapter six, verses 12 to 20, Paul is really, um, kind of going at their lifestyles, but um, I think the way he he argues against how they were living is what is so important, and how you know how he speaks to them is very instructive for our day, um, because if we don't view the body biblically, um, we can look at you know there are many different cultural examples of you know we deny physical realities and where that can lead. Um, And then even living in a way as though, um, you know, we can be disembodied and just pursue spiritual things or, you know, to kind of look at transgenderism, which we'll probably bring up again at some point, but to say that mental health is all that matters and physical health doesn't matter that you can't live like that. Um, that's mm-hmm. going to work for a, a limited amount of time because that's yeah. living as though you're not a psychosomatic being where your mind and body don't interact. Um, and God didn't design us to live that way as embodied beings. So anyway, so they were, they were very anti-body. Um, so Paul, he is, he's combating this kind of faulty understanding um, by declaring that their bodies were the Lord's. And essentially, because of that, you can't just live however you want. But what I think he does and how he goes about that is really important. So he, I think he drives two major points home to them. He says, your body has value, and then God has authority over your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but he affirms those two things by describing Trinitarian involvement with the body. So with with the, the um, resurrection redemption and, and union with Christ and then indwelling, like you mentioned. Um, so because they were so influenced by antibody philosophies like Gnosticism, Platonism, he directly counters those things by saying, no, look, your body has value. God has authority over it because um, you're going to be resurrected because Christ uh, paid for your body. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit indwells you. Your body is a temple of the Spirit. So he just reinforces in some pretty major ways by connecting yeah. the Father, Son, and the Spirit's involvement with the body um, to say, hey, you can't just live as you want to. Yeah, I think it's it's really, really powerful. And just, you see Paul really speaking, you know, contextually, you know, here in, in this, uh, in, in this passage to, to address their, you know, faulty thinking around, uh, this idea that physical existence or the body, you know, doesn't, doesn't really matter when he's saying, okay, it, it mattered to Christ. He had to be physically embodied to accomplish redemption, right. To, to live the perfect sinless life in our place. Right. And, and the fact that now, because he's done that and he has sent the spirit, and the spirit indwells us that that we're to view our bodies as the temple that that they are, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny because I, I used to coach uh, high school 
uh, football. And when I was in Georgia, one of, one of our coaches, um, it was, it was during two a days, right? We've got a lot of kids that are out of shape and, and we're, we're coming to the end of the practice. It's August. It's like awful in, in Georgia in August, just so hot and humid. And being from Colorado, like it really hit me, you know, it's like the being first from Knoxville. <laughs> I, I know about that humidity. It's, it is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we're, we're out there and he, he's like, uh, and he's older guys. I, I played uh he's like, I played at university of Georgia with, uh, with Herschel Walker and he's like, okay. and, and people used to interview Herschel Walker and they used to say like, Hey, you know, why, why do you have such strict discipline over your diet and exercise and, you know, taking, you know, taking care of taking care of yourself. Like you do, you have just this super, you know, rigorous regimen, even for a athlete, you know, college athlete. And he's like, well, he's like, God gave me this body and I want to live in a castle. Wow. Right. And, and so, and we're like, okay, like, awesome. I can get down with that, you know? And then in the next, uh, the next breath, our, our head coach there says to the kids, he's like, some of you all look like you're choosing to live in a trailer park. So we gotta, <laughs> so he's like, we gotta, it's like, we gotta make sure that we're, you know, really get you guys in shape. Right. So wow, that's I just a, always, <laughs> I love I just, that illustration. That's great. But it's so it's so true just to say, you know, how to bring it back to the Corinthians, how they thought about their bodies, it drove their actions and behaviors. And it's the mm-hmm. same way for us as believers today. And you can look in a couple different areas. But um, yeah, if we don't think very highly about our bodies, or even if we think they don't matter, they're the source of sin, they're evil, um, then our actions are going to reflect those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so kind of kind of tied to that, and we mentioned it briefly, but could you maybe speak just a little bit more to, you know, how does the incarnation of Jesus Christ give value and dignity and hope to our, our physical bodily existence now and, and into the future? Yeah, so, you know, in the incarnation, Christ, uh, he becomes embodied. It's necessary in order for God to satisfy his righteous demands against sin on the cross that that the son of god becomes flesh and blood so he's fully god fully man um so he he has to be made like his brothers he has to be made flesh and blood uh, to make propitiation hebrews 2 talks about that so um by taking on a body he affirms our bodily existence um his his earthly ministry you know he and healed and did miracles in a ton of different ways could have just just thought he didn't have to speak anything he didn't have to touch anyone but he uses his body um in a variety of ways physical touch to impart healing Hmm. um you know and and again in that passage we're we're bought with a price so honor god in your body if you think about that then that that means um we are redeemed it's not just our soul that that Mm -hmm. is redeemed because we're we're promised a resurrected body. So we are redeemed as an embodied believer. Um, that's why we're to glorify God in our bodies. Uh, part of sanctification yeah. is, is using our body to honor the Lord. Um, Paul writes in Romans eight also that, you know, our, there's an already not yet aspect of salvation. So part of our adoption that we're awaiting is the redemption of the body. Um, so by Christ becoming embodied, redeeming us bodily, um, that's, that should 
definitely affirm for us that our body is valuable. It should um, make us think, like Paul says, our bodies uh, belong to the Lord. They're joined with him. Um, uh, in the earlier verses in First Corinthians 6, so we sh- the way we think about our bodies and the way we treat our bodies should reflect um, what Christ has done for us. And then, too, just knowing, you know, Philippians, Paul talks about how um, we're awaiting a time when we'll be gloriously transformed like the body that Christ has. Yeah. And, and Paul says to the Corinthians, look, God raised the Lord and will also raise you so that that promise um, our eschatological hope that should serve to guide our behaviors now. Um, because he's, he's telling the Corinthians, look, your body has a future, so you can't just treat it however you want in the present. Um, so yeah, Christ, Christ affirms our bodily existence in several ways. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really helpful because we, I think have, have a tendency, I would say particularly Christians to forget the the humanity of Christ or or the reality of of him being the the most truly human person to ever live mm-hmm. and so we wouldn't deny it you know doctrinally in, in a confession or something but as we as we read scriptures we think about applying scripture to our lives I think we have a tendency to highlight his godness uh, more so as Christians than than his humanity right whereas mm-hmm. you know I would say non Christians ha- have no problem admitting you know that the humanity of Jesus but they're going to struggle more with with his mm-hmm. deity right and so that just brings a lot of uh, value and dignity I think and hope to us as as humans and just the reality that there's something about us being created as embodied persons of, of being uh, both made of dust and divine breath that allows us to experience the the fullness of the triune God in a way that we couldn't or wouldn't if we were not created uh, that way. And that's why we have the resurrection of the body to, mm-hmm. to fully experience um, and encounter God in his, his fullness it, it, in our glorification uh, and at the, the, the resurrection. And so I think that's a just really powerful to think about uh, the humanity of, of Christ and in, in the incarnation in those ways. Yeah, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of laid out a theology of the body and established really, you know, two things, like you said, the body's value and God's authority over it. And so I, I want to transition now to, to thinking about practical um, applications. Our, our theological belief should lead to practical application. So uh, how does a biblical theology of the body equip us for one, just, just better care of our own bodies, and then two, kind of better cultural engagements? So we'll look at those those two things in, in turn. So first, um, in your book, Be Well, uh, that New Growth Press put out, um, you say, like the way we view other gifts from God, we should consider our bodies as something to steward, which requires us to be responsible managers. Uh, could you uh, just briefly tell us what, what does it mean to steward our bodies well and honor the gift God has given us in our physical bodies? What, what are some basic tips on how to treat the body that God has given us well? Yeah, um, so I, I think just recognizing that 
Um, we are stewards over creation. God, God has given us that mandate, and our, our bodies are part of that. Um, and being a steward is just being a um, understanding that we are entrusted with something from from our Creator. Uh, and and Scripture speaks to several different stewardships: time and money and family and talents. Um, so we are to care for our bodies in a way that honors the Lord. And so when we think about, okay, what are the practical ways? Um, definitely we can get into exercise, nutrition, um, managing stress, and even taking times of rest. And so, you know, in, in my mind, this, this is the way these things kind of flesh out. Um, yeah. no, no pun intended there, but so because God created us, um, with bodies as physical beings, we have certain physical needs. So when it comes to nutrition, um, we are designed to need three macronutrients and three micronutrients. So carbs, fats, proteins, our body uh, uses each of those macronutrients in different ways. They're all essential. Um, And then vitamins, minerals, and water. So When we, you know, not that you go crazy and you become, you know, super obsessed with adhering to certain diets or counting calories or, you know, planning out your macros or whatever it is, like you at least having an awareness that the Lord, you know, carbohydrates are important. Our brains mostly function off carbohydrates. Um, That's where our major source of energy comes from is carbs. Proteins are the building blocks of everything in our body. Fats are important for hormones and regulatory processes and so many things. Mm So um, when we recognize that, that will help us to just have a basic understanding of decent nutrition. And um, for me, I'll just say briefly that I, I had a time where I did not steward my body. I was anorexic for a little while. And so it took going through that and having to, to be convicted and learn mm-hmm. lessons the hard way and recognize sure. I wasn't stu- stewarding my body. I might have been, um, you know, eating uh, certain healthy things, but I wasn't giving myself enough food and I was over-exercising. So stewardship looks different. Um depending on your season of life, what, what all you are doing, but, um, you know, so you have the nutrition piece, then you have exercise and gosh, when you look at just how our body responds to exercise, cardiovascular system, respiratory system, you know, our, our muscles, um, bones get stronger. Our bodies improve when we engage in even basic exercise, even just walking. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's a huge piece. And then because we're psychosomatic beings, mind and body influence one another. Um, if we are in an environment where we are just highly stressed out all the time, just go, go, go. We don't ever take time to rest. There's only, you know, we can only sustain high levels of stress for a limited amount of time because God Mm -hmm. created us as finite beings. So, um, you know, a lot of times people may not recognize they're really stressed out until they start having some physical manifestations, Mm. tension, headaches, you know, clenching your teeth at night, um, high blood pressure issues. Um, so part of stewarding your body and, and I'm probably the worst offender when it comes to having stress issues, um, (laughs) is, is trying to keep your stress in check and, and managing it. Um, you know, in the areas that you can. And then the other piece I would bring in is, is rest, uh, which does, you know, involve sleep, um, getting sufficient sleep, seven to nine hours a night, but then also taking time to rest from work and then um, rest in the Lord. I think those Mm. regular patterns um, are essential because we're 
we're limited beings and we're not created to just go, go, go all the time. Yeah, that's a, that's a really helpful, helpful summary because being, you know, created, you know, with physical bodies and, and also, you know, having, you know, a soul or, or spirit that, it, and they're interconnected, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned. And, and a lot of times even, you know, like as a, as a pastor, you know, my, my gifting isn't particularly in counseling, uh, but I, I do a, you know, a decent amount of it. And it, it, a lot of times those are questions that I ask because it's like, look, I have a toddler that's two. And like when she's hangry, it affects her <laughs> mood and lots of, lots of other things. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not really different, you know, with, with adults, we can hopefully manage our emotions a little better, <laughs> but at the, at the same, at the same time, there, there's a lot of truth to that. Where it's like I'm, I'm having, you know, these these stressors in, in life. I'm experiencing anxiety, depression. It's like how you're sleeping and eating, you know, and exercising. And obviously, you've got to get into, you know, how how has, you know, your involvement in, you know, like your, your small group in, your prayer and, you know, mm-hmm. personal Bible study. Or, you know, are you availing yourself of, of the means of grace that God has given through, through his church and his word and, and prayer to be able to... Uh, help cope with these difficulties and circumstances that that you're facing, but to just disregard a huge part of what it means to be created in the image of God isn't a very holistic way to deal with uh, human problems and and struggles. So I think that's that's really helpful. Yeah, that's so true. And I'll just say also that for believers, because we are you know, mind and body, there's a connection there. Oftentimes when we start to focus on being more disciplined spiritually, um, mm-hmm. that can spill over into being more disciplined physically or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's helpful as we think, whoa, I need to, you know, get, get some things in check here. Um, just starting small, but then making sure like, okay, if I'm really paying attention to things physically, like what, how am I doing spiritually? And am I neglecting that? Am I putting those things first um, while also trying to care for myself, you know, with, with health and wellness things? Yeah, ab- absolutely. That's really helpful. And I want to transition uh, to how to, the kind of second question there, um, this idea of, you know, better cultural engagement, right? We looked at better care for our own bodies, uh, I want to think about, you know, how does a Christian theology of the body provide an apologetic for Christians to combat this warped sense of reality our society has right now regarding the human body? And, you know, I'm, I'm going to link to this in, in the show notes along with some of your other work, but there was an article that you wrote for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission last year, and, and you listed some some pretty heavy-hitting applications that you know, a, a proper theology of the body really equips us to speak into. And I think um, a lot of Christians may think they're ill-equipped to speak into, you know, some of these things that, that you list. And, and obviously there's nuances to these things. There, there are uh, specific individuals that struggle with, with certain things, right? And so uh, they're going to have their own you know, uniquenesses to their, their personal context and personalities and struggles. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also this reality that, um, 
through God's word, the spirit can use us in what we do know to be true, which is this theology of the body that the Bible lays out, mm-hmm. right? And our attitude toward these issues that can really uh, go a long way in certain conversations as we try to speak, you know, the truth in love. So uh, kind of based on the the article that you wrote, w- would you mind just sharing a few of those um, applications um, to what a good theology of the body allows us to begin to speak into? Yeah. Um, and I, I would say too, Caleb, kind of on the front end, again, this, this works. I'm a very logical person. So logically my mind goes in two different directions sure. <laughs> to apply these things to cultural issues. But one is when the culture um, denies physical created realities that again go back to God designing us in his image as male and female so if there's a denial of physicality then Christians we definitely have to be able to go back to creation and say no no this is not um, your physical body is part of how you are created and designed to function Um, and it's a good thing that that God has purposes and plans for but then the other way that I think the culture really can um, go wrong and where Christians can speak into it is when there are, there's a push for living disembodied. And that's what I I mentioned Mm. earlier. So if you take the transgender issue, so that's one of the the things I mentioned in that article. Um, So there is a devaluation of the body in that, but it also says, well, my problems will be fixed. You know, I'm, I was born a female or I was assigned female at birth, but I'm actually male. Um, for, for that to be someone's mindset and then say, okay, all that matters is the way I think and I feel. And so my mind is, is right. And that's what I need to, um, fix my body. I need to, Mm. you know, mutilate my body, take hormones, replacements, whatever it is in order to, um, you know, for, for mental, my mental health to thrive. I can do this to my physical health. So it's this, you know, elevating one, devaluing the other. And again, that's, that's living disembodied. It's living as though you're, you were meant to function as though your mental health does not impact your physical health or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, you could even point to, um, look at, uh, abortion. So I think this is one of the issues that I put on there, but I saw a study recently where the rates for women who get an abortion, you know, certainly, People will say that that's healthcare. That's just a physical act that's done. Um, but the rates of anxiety and depression for women who mothers who um, you know abort a child, yeah. they are skyrocketing because that physical situation is going to impact them, um, you know, psychologically. Mm-hmm. So so there is we're not meant to live disembodied. I guess I, ho- I hope that wasn't confusing. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Uh, so again, having a biblical view of creation and speaking to these things is so helpful, but even counseling issues like, like self-harming behaviors, somebody who's engaging in an eating disorder or cutting or burning themselves, you know, if you're a believer, recognizing that your body is the Lord's, um, your body's the dwelling place of the spirit, you're called to glorify yeah. God in your body, that can help you have deeper motivation, deeper biblical theological motivation to, um, you know, counteract those behaviors. 
Um, I mentioned, you know, my, my own background with exercise and, and eating issues, and that's definitely an area that a theology of the body can speak into, um, because we, we should have reasonable exercise and nutrition habits, but when we mm-hmm. go to obsession and idolatry, which the world can certainly push in a lot of ways, yeah. um, we need to be able to confront ourselves, ask ourselves some hard questions. Am I honoring the Lord in my body if I spend, you know, a ton of hours in the gym every week? And if I'm obsessed with what I eat, um, is that God honoring? There's so many things. Um, let's see, euthanasia. I mean, that's, that's Mm. obviously a huge aspect of being created in God's image, recognizing God's authority and sovereignty over life. Uh, beginning of life and end of life, respecting that person, um, you know, as as God's image bearer who is worthy of care, um, um, understanding that you know biological physical realities when it when it comes to you know the sex that we are is a good mm-hmm. gift of God. It's part of God intricately weaving us together in our mother's womb. Yeah, you know. Um, Psalm 139. Um, yeah, these are these are good realities that the culture tries to distort and pervert in certain ways, um, and say, you know, this this isn't this isn't right. Um, whereas God says, no, this is how I designed you, and there's a good purpose behind it. Um, so yeah, Christians hold, holding fast to scripture and, and, and being able to connect those two created realities, I think, are huge, especially in our day when the body is is such an issue. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really really helpful and just hits on so many areas, you know, and it I think you speak also in the article to you know, uh the lives of those with with disabilities, you know, yes. as being fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, for for a purpose in addition to the other things, mm-hmm. you know, that that you've said there and just the design, you know, of, of being male and female and marriage and childbearing and um, you talk about, you know, the, the fight, um, just fighting the pornographic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. scene as far, you know, to push, pushes for, you know, objectifying humans and, uh, we separate, you know, like sex from marriage and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think all of those, all of those things are, you know, you, you start to begin to see that, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of things that the theology of the body speaks into and very powerfully, in our particular cultural moment. Now it always has spoken into our, our culture, uh, no matter, you know, what, what time period someone has been born in, but, uh, particularly with just the ramping up of this denial of, you know, physical realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just so, so important and essential, I think, especially for, uh, those who are working with, with kids and, and teenagers. And if you're in a church context, you know, what that, what's that look like to be able to have a robust understanding. So when you're in a small group discussion, um, understanding the theology of the body that you, you have something to uh, speak into these different issues with that that's biblical and that mm-hmm. offers them a, uh, healthier perspective, the right, because it's the right perspective. It's the, it's the true perspective, right? It's the divinely mm-hmm. uh, revealed truth about who they are. And so being able to know really well what it means to be created in the image of God, this distinction of, 
you know, male and female, and then being able to speak into somewhat, well, what makes somebody masculine or feminine, mm-hmm. you know, is going to tie a little bit more into like cultural things. But then just knowing, you know, first Corinthians six really well, Genesis one and two, mm-hmm. you know, really well, it allows a lot of these hard hitting questions to, to go back to like, well, at least I, I know where to start, uh, to have kind of this theological understanding to be able to speak into these cultural issues. So I think that's, that's yeah. super, super helpful. You know, can I add one more that yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't actually see on here. I see where, where maybe you could speak to it, but, um, yeah, I mean, homosexuality. So certainly, um, you know, defining a homosexual union as marriage would definitely contradicts Genesis one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, but just recognizing even the, even the creation uh, command to be fruitful and multiply and to do that within the covenant of marriage to men or to women, you know, in a civil union, they are not going to be able to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. So just, just physically, our physical characteristics as men and women, that is again, part of God's good created order that, you know, a homosexual couple is not physically able to fulfill. So, so we can just look at those just, you know, observable qualities and say this clearly goes against how God designed things, but is related to theology of the body for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good, good place for us to kind of, kind of wrap up here, but I want to give you a chance just, um, if you would, Lainey, just to share with us, um, just a little bit about, um, your, your website and different things that people can, can find there. Um, what type of resources are currently available? What what projects are you working on right now? And uh, if churches or, or other you know organizations want to you know engage with you or, or some of your material, how can they how can they do that? And where do they go to kind of find those things? Yeah, thanks, Caleb. Um, so my my website has a ton of different resources. I have a podcast, um, and I I put a blog out for years, and so those are. There's a ton of different, just really practical topics that are mm-hmm. helpful. Um, but then I, I do have workshops that I put on and I, I go, you know, in person and speak, or I do them online for individuals, but certainly for organizations and churches. And they really begin with that biblical theological foundation of the body, but then can extend out into those practical areas that we've mentioned. Um have a a program that's called understand healthy and that's kind of Mm -hmm. the okay this is the on the ground how you actually kind of go about living a healthy lifestyle it's not a quick fix thing but it's really just equipping you with what are the basics of wellness and then Mm -hmm. helping you um incorporate them into your life in a way that's sustainable um yeah, I, I think a lot of, of what I do, it's certainly for believers, but it has application outside of, of the church, outside of believers as well. Um, but my my first goal is is to honor the Lord with these things, this background that mm-hmm. he's given me, which is really yeah. diverse. But um, and I, I think the, the first way to do that is to equip believers um, with mm-hmm. these things, because it's it's just so important in our day and time. Oh, and yeah. you asked too, sorry, I, I am, I will be writing a body image book that's supposed to come out next year in the fall. Um, and then I have, that's with New Growth Press, and then I'm working on something with uh, B&H Academic, um, and it will be on embodied holiness. And I don't know exactly when that's coming out because I sure. don't have to turn it in <laughs> until next year sometimes. So I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. No, I'll be I'll be looking forward to to checking those out. So I appreciate you sharing that. So kind of a, a last question here. What what would maybe be a couple of other resources you would recommend in addition to, to your own work and then the forthcoming uh, work that you're doing on human embodiment, body image, and a theology of the body, those type of things that um, our readers could, could check out? Yeah, so there are a few. There's a lot, a lot more than I could mention. Um, but Nancy Piercy's Love Thy Body is a great one. She's got a new uh, book, I think, coming out very soon on masculinity. Um, Greg Allison's work on embodiment, um, it's just called Embodied. It's really great and has some practical application with each chapter, too, which is helpful. Um, there's a couple the Dunhams. They've written about um eating disorder, body image issues. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Table for Two. And then pretty recently, Rosaria Butterfield put out an article with Reformation 21 where um, she just helps Christians think very biblically about um, the article title, I think, is why why she no longer uses transgender pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, But she brings up some very helpful points, I think, for believers who who want to... um, you know, be helpful, but, but don't want to contradict biblical truth when how, mm-hmm. with engaging, um, with people who identify as transgender. So, um, yeah, those are just a few off the top of my head. Awesome. Well, Lainey, thanks for joining me for this conversation on a theology of the body. Um, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Pray it's edifying for, uh, God's people in the church. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Share it with your friends and give it a good review, whether written or just clicking some stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps others find this show that may be interested in gospel-centered resources like this one. Also, if you have an idea for an episode or someone you'd like for me to interview, please reach out to me and let me know. Thank you, and until next time.